Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. Welcome back to AI and the Future of Work. Thanks again for making this one of the most downloaded podcasts about the future of work. If you enjoy what we do, please like, comment, and share in your favorite podcast app, and we'll keep sharing amazing conversations. I'm your host, Dan Turchin, advisor at Insight Finder, the system of intelligence for IT operations, and CEO of PeopleRain, the AI platform for IT and HR employee service. As you know, we talk frequently about how to future-proof your career. AI-driven automation is eliminating jobs, especially ones that involve a high volume of repetitive tasks. In general, you've heard me say it before, robots are better suited for jobs that are dull, dirty, or dangerous. However, I firmly believe AI will lead to a net positive creation of jobs in the form of new industries. Many of those we just can't even imagine today. For example, skilled workers will be required to train and manage the bots, to process the data they generate, and to teach humans how to interact with them. Making AI accessible to the next generation is essential. We talk a lot about STEM training on this show. Reducing fear and apprehension about automation is essential before we can embrace that future that we all want, the future of true human-machine collaboration. Well, today's guest knows all about that. In fact, he literally wrote the book on it. It's a children's book called Riley and Bot, Jobs for Robots and Jobs for Me. It's the start of a really important dialogue, and I've been excited to start that conversation here today. By day, Doug Kerwin's the Vice President of Cloud Engineering at Prudential Financial, having spent time in technology leadership roles at places like Build Trust, Trimble Maps, Adworthy, among others. Doug's also an entrepreneur, having started FrameDark.com all the way back in 2005. Without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Doug Kerwin to the podcast. Doug, let's uh, let's kick things off. Why don't you share a little bit more about your background and uh, what led you to write the book? Sure, and thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, so I'm essentially a software developer. It's kind of what I've always always done from uh, from the beginning, and uh, I. You know, I, I don't have a formal, you know, like training in AI. Like I'm not an AI expert. I'm more of a consumer of AI. Uh, you know, more using cloud tools like uh, AWS Recognition, uh, Lex, SageMaker, things like that. So I, I generally know the space, uh, but I'm I'm not an, an expert in it. And uh, you know, what what led me to you know to to write this book was. Yeah, really, uh, just you know, when when my daughter was was uh, a little younger, she just expressed um, an interest in in we you know we had these uh, few books on you know just kids books about jobs, and she just you know gravitated towards them uh, for whatever reason, and uh, you know, and I I couldn't just read these books without uh, kind of stopping and giving my own kind of commentary you know on, on things, so I. Read these and if, you know, and they come to this job, maybe like, I'd have to stop and explain to where I'm like, well, that's not really a job, you know, for you know, and, and all this isn't in, in the time frame of like, you know, when you're reading to like, you know, a, a, a five year old or you know, she's she's eight now, but um, you know, by the time that that she grows up and is 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 able to get a job, it's like I, I didn't want her to think that that some of these things were were options, right? And 
and I would always kind of stop and, you know, and, and give my, my commentary on some of these things in general, but, um, you know, but we talked about uh, all kinds of things like that. So, um, you know, went out and, and you know, there aren't really, there are some uh, children's books, you know, that are more like STEM related, but there's not a lot uh, in the category in general. And there certainly wasn't anything that addressed automation. So the book is this fun conversation between this young kid, Riley, and a bot, her friend. And uh, it's it's very well written to be accessible to the you know the, the audience you targeted at. But gosh, the themes are pretty uh, pretty sophisticated, and they make you question just just a lot about the future of human machine interaction. And there's one particular dialogue that uh, is is Riley saying, you know, I might want to be a research scientist and you know, bot, that could not possibly be something that, uh, that could be automated, right? And uh, gosh, I mean, that's the topic for, you know, a whole discussion about philosophy and, uh, uh, you know, uh, poses all kinds of existential questions. Uh, are STEM careers likely to be automated by bots? So I, I started off, you know, with the, you know, thinking like, hey, let's, let's steer people towards STEM careers, right? Things that are, you know, what I would consider to be better jobs and, and things that are more resistant to this. Uh, but, you know, as you really dive into it, you know, you, you start to come to the realization that nothing is really ultimately going to be like AI resistant. And, uh, and yeah, and this is, it's definitely not like a typical kind of children's book. I mean, uh, a lot of the feedback that I, I got, you know, just in talking to people, you know, going through the process of writing it was they're like, wow, you're going to like kill kids dreams. And, you know, and, and so I, I tried to balance that, but, you know, as well, like I, I, I said, you know what, like, I, I'm going to do my best at this and it might upset some people, but like, I just felt like, you know, kids were, were due like a realistic, you know, glimpse of what the world was going to be like. And I would hope that it would, you know, help push them in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these things are, are you know, are directly addressed where, you know, it, it's not just like, uh, hey, if I'm, you know, doing factory work, that's, you know, likely to be automated. I think people generally accept that, or, you know, if I'm in the transportation industry, like if I'm going to be a, a, a trucker or something, you know, I mean, people may question the timeline, but I think most people generally know that that's headed towards, you know, a, a autonomous driving. What I think that people aren't necessarily realizing is that it's, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, that the smart kids have something to be concerned about here too. It's the, you know, like you could, go to college and get a graduate degree in something and then ultimately find out that, you know, that, that task, you know, your whole field of study might be better performed by AI. And I, I don't know that, that anything is ultimately exempt from that. So the book goes from kind of a dark place with bot challenging Riley about every possible career to then I'd say a more, a more positive tone where, you know, bot says, well, Riley, people like you are going to be needed to, train the bots and tell them what to do. And, uh, and then there's a fun section at the end where you, you get kind of all Dr. Susian on us and you invent some new, new, new jobs. And that's what I alluded to in, in the opening. There are whole industries, whole careers that we can't even imagine um, that I think is likely to be what creates a net positive impact on the economy from, you know, the, the, the introduction of AI-driven automation. Um, talk about that kind of the, the arc of the book where I think it ends on a positive tone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and it's like the beginning of the book starts off more like here are some specific jobs that Riley is asking about and bots like, no, that's, you know, better done by by robots. And, 
Um, and, and, you know, when I flipped to the other side, I, you know, initially I, I tried to say, I'm like, well, should I list specific jobs that might be good for kids? And, and, you know, I mean, that just becomes tricky, especially when you're, you know, you're looking out at like a 15 year, you know, time horizon kind of thing. And uh, so rather than list specific, you know, specific jobs, it, uh, what I tried to do was just focus on themes, right? Like of just things that uh, in general, you know, what, what, what do people do that's better than, than AI, right? And so that's, you know, things like uh, just complicated jobs, right? Like uh, you know, ma making decisions and, um, you know, like using AI, but you're, you're the one kind of making the decisions behind things like that. Um, and, and certainly like anything related to, uh, you know, any kind of job that requires, uh, empathy, right. So, you know, a lot of fields for, uh, that require compassion or trust, right. So, um, it, you know, that, that's certainly a, a theme as well. Um, and so, yeah, and when we definitely don't know, you know, well, like, what are the, what are the jobs that are going to be, you know, in 15 years? I mean, there, there's definitely like a lot of new things and things are moving fast and, you know, and, and we, we, we don't know what they are. Um, you know, I, I guess like my, my personal take on this is that, uh, because you can really take this in either direction. You, there, there, there are people who, who kind of feel that like, well, every, you know, like, cause you, you can look at it and if you believe in, you know, it in the promise of AI and in like any reasonable uh, rate of, uh, uh, you know, increased adoption that you could see how like it could just decimate like entire industries of what, what people are doing. Um, and, you know, I, I guess like I would say my, my view is that there that there's definitely going to be new things that are available that I, we don't know how to define yet, which is why I just made up silly sounding job names for those. Uh, but, um, you know, and I, I think it's, it's likely, you know, a lot of those categories are people working with AI, uh, rather than it just being like, Hey, what, what are these things that just, you know, on, on, on our own people might be able to do better. Um, I, I think it's, it's people working with AI because e even the categories, uh, where, you know, I, I I'm, I'm highlighting that are much more likely that people are going to be better at for, you know, a, a pretty long time are not even exclusive. Even, even when you talk about things like, you know, uh, jobs requiring like empathy, right. Like a, uh, like a therapist or something. Um, you know, I, it, it might sound a little bit like science fiction now, but I mean, could a, could an AI be a therapist to you? Like, I, I think the answer to that is yes. And, I think you could argue that it might even be a more effective therapist in, in some ways. I mean, I, I'm not completely honest with my therapist <laughs> about things, you know, even though it's a one-on-one -on -one private thing, but, you know, uh, it's, you know, it is another human being at the end of the day. And so, uh, you know, there, even categories like that, I think, you know, there's potential for AI to be involved, right? And maybe it's not, uh, you know, the, the only, uh, component of it, but I, I think there's involvement. You know, like my, uh, my, my daughter Mackenzie wants to be a vet. And, uh, and so she's, you know, she's, she's like, well, what do you think? Is this a good job for me? You know, is it her, like, is AI going to do my job? And, and I said, well, no, I don't, I don't think so, but you're probably going to work with AI. You're probably going to have, you know, computers and AI, like help you make diagnoses on, on the, the animals and, and, and things like that. So it's not, you're, you're not just going to be doing it by yourself. 
the, the Wobot, a conversational AI based uh, alternative to a psychiatrist has received a ton of funding and uh, I've used it. I'd say it's, it's not ready, but it, far be it for me to say that it won't be in the next decade. Now, certain careers, I think most people would say can't be automated. And one of them is yours. <laughs> so the, the role of a computer uh, engineer, uh, we've talked extensively on this show about some of the ways that AI models can detect bugs faster or maybe speed up the CICD process. We've also talked about initiatives from OpenAI where AI might be a co-pilot for a programmer. Uh, What's your take on whether or not the things you do in your day job are candidates for autonomous uh, uh, intervention? Yeah, so that that was certainly one of the things that I was like, well, at least my own field is probably good, you know, at least for my lifetime, right? And uh, and somewhat recently, my opinion changed on that, and I remember the exact moment that it changed uh, when I I first saw a. Uh, an introduction of GitHub Copilot, and so I, uh, GitHub Copilot is essentially a you know it uses uh, uh, Stack Overflow and GitHub as data sources where you know essentially you know programmers have you know we we've uh, given it the data to say here's how you do the best functions and everything on Stack Overflow, and it uses that to essentially write code for you. And it's amazingly good. It's just, you know, you, you just start typing in your function name and, you know, it used to just be IntelliSense would complete the, you know, just the, the rest of the function. Here, you just start typing the function name. You don't even complete it. And it already comes up with, here's the whole implementation. Like it's done. And you can just hit tab to be like, oh, you don't like that one. Here's another one here. And so it's it's amazingly good. It was shocking. And uh, and I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I feel a little bit better about going into to management now and not being as, you know, as, as hands-on on, on keyboard as, as uh, you know, I have been in the past because, you know, like if that's how good that is today, then how good is that going to be in 10 years, right? And so like immediately I just, I saw a path where, uh, you know, if you have a, a really well-written, you know, JIRA story, you know, where you're defining your requirements, uh, where you know, if you, here are my requirements, here's my acceptance criteria. Like, it's not a stretch to say in some number of years that the implementation will be automatic by AI. And that's something that like I had always considered, you know, my my own, you know, profession to be, you know, like the, one of the last things, like, like I wouldn't have to worry about that. But I, I, I think that just, you know, uh, it at least encouraged me to say like, look, you, I, I think you longer term, like you have to be a level of, above just writing the code, right? You, you've got to, uh, because even that is not exempt from, from automation. So you have to either be in, you know, architecture, which is that like, uh, you know, uh, category of jobs to say like, you know, uh, complex, you know, complexity or making decisions, right? So it's, uh, you know, that's a, a lot further off, right? GitHub Copilot is not going to come up with your whole application. It's just, you know, but once you start to say like, all right, well, here's a specific thing I want to implement, you know, it's going to help you a lot with that. And, and that might be able to, to auto implement in, in, the, in the future, but it's not going to come up with your entire architecture or what application should we build anyway and what features do business users want and, and, and things like that. Um, so I it just, you know, I think it encourages you to take a, uh, you know, a, the, the, the next step up from that uh, to, you know, again, just consider the, the 
the, the whole situation rather than just say, I'm just going to write the code. So let's say the co-pilot approach becomes prevalent, maybe even in the next decade. Who is responsible if co-pilot introduces some bugs that might have, you know, broad negative consequences, you know, software that builds a bridge and the bridge falls down or software that's used for self-driving cars and the car crashes because of a bug introduced by, uh, you know, co-pilot type of software. Who, who's responsible for that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think it is the the same kind of question for the you know self driving car. If it hits somebody, who's responsible? Is it the owner of the car? Is it the manufacturer of the car? Is it the manufacturer of the AI? Right. It's uh, and I I don't know that we have an, an answer to that yet. Uh, but I, I mean, I you know, ultimately, if you're if you're the owner of you know a certain application that you're putting out there, whether you're paying people to you know to do the implementation for you or if you have AI to do it I feel like you're you're ultimately accountable for that would would be my opinion so when this conversation gets kind of creepy and dystopian is when we talk about a world where bots are creating bots and somehow they have you know some kind of uh, you know a, through reinforcement learning some kind of objectives that they're trying to achieve and potentially they go they go rogue uh, how real of a concern is that? Uh, I don't know. I that that seems a little further out there to me. That's almost you know when you're, you're bots creating bots, you know, it, it's almost the whole self-aware kind of uh, concept. I mean, as of right now, like I, I don't know. I that's that that's not an aspect of this that I worry about. So, Riley and Bot is clearly a book for parents to read with their kids. What has the re early reaction been from parents? Are they, are they frightened? Are you getting hate mail? No, no hate mail yet. I'm, uh, but I, I mean, I did expect that sort of thing. Uh, but no, I, it's been a very, you know, a positive, you know, reaction uh, that, that I've had from people. Uh, but I, I did write, you know, it's, it's a children's book, but I, I kind of describe it as like, it's a book for children and parents. Uh, because I, I feel like it's, you know, the, the parent reading the book to their kid may be discovering these concepts for the first time themselves. And, you know, it, just in a lot of the conversation, you know, that, that I have with people, you know, even, even when you just talk about like, hey, you know, some number of years from now and people have different opinions on the speed of this, but like, you know, the, the transportation industry is not really going to be a thing anymore. That's going to be self-driving vehicles, right? So I, I think that's one of those categories that to me seems almost like a, you know, like a no-brainer, but a lot of people, when you talk to them about that, they they think they still consider that like science fiction to be like, well, yeah, eventually. And eventually, I think in a lot of people's minds, it's like, you know, 25 to 50 year kind of time frame. And, and so uh, it, I meant it to be something to, to educate parents as well, that maybe you just bought this book, you know, for, for your kid because, it, you know, you, you thought it was a good choice for, for STEM reasons, or, you know, your, your kid likes robots or, you know, or something like that. Uh, but, you know, my, my hope was that it would be, you know, a, like a, a conversation starter and also like a, a you know, a way to, to educate parents about the same thing that might not know much more about that than their kids in some cases. You mentioned you're having the conversation with Mackenzie about wanting to be a veterinarian and, you know, and she probably rightly assumed that, you know, that's not a job that will be replaced. And uh, I imagine it leads to skills like, you know, empathy that are probably future proof, like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the other things that you would encourage Mackenzie to be learning 
as a kid that will you know always be needed even if we look out you know into the future where bots and and humans are coexisting creative categories are are important and are going to be increasingly important as well um you know i i would still despite everything i've just highlighted about you know GitHub Copilot in my own industry, like I, you know, I, I would still, you know, direct, you know, my kids towards, uh, you know, towards more of like an engineering career path. You know, I would, I would love it if they would, you know, become engineers, but I, I, I don't ever want to, you know, push that on them. You know, I, I think there's, there's still, you know, this is in that category of who knows how exactly things are going to play out and what those jobs are going to be, you know, in, in, in 15 years. I, I, I think that, you're, you know, even even if you know you have things like writing writing your code for you, I don't know that 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 doesn't mean that the whole industry is not a thing anymore. I, I think it's still uh, a good area in general to go into. There's an illustration of uh, of bot painting a picture uh, with kind of a painter's cap on or something like that. So an example of creative field, and we, we've seen interesting examples of digital art. Certainly, you know, the field of NFTs is, is exploding and potentially those could be things that AIs that AI could generate. Is that is that a niche or is there a real threat to people in creative professions? Well, I, I don't know that it's I wouldn't consider it so much a threat, but it is fascinating to know that it is a thing. I don't think I think that people think that the least of what you know what AI, AI is capable of doing is is creative tasks like things in the arts, but uh, but I mean, there are examples now. I mean, you can uh, just look at these things on on YouTube, where uh, like AI is making music and AI is making art, right? And and it does that in a way. It doesn't just start from nothing, right? It's it, it's going to take a bunch of data, like other art or other music, with data about you know, is it good? What do people like it or not? And you know, and there happens to be a lot of data about things like you know, do people like music or not, right? And it, and it's going to take that and just start generating its own music. And you think like, how different is that from like how we behave ultimately, right? Like we, you know, it's not like we just paint a sunset on our own. Like we saw a sunset <laughs> and we're inspired by it, right? So, uh, you know, I so I I I, I think that again, more likely here, it's it, it's where people and AI are going to work together. Like I think like the artist of the future is going to. It won't be that he made the the you know the the form of art entirely on its own. I think it's going to be that like AI might be involved in that, right? And maybe AI is like a tool, just like the paintbrush is a tool in in, in, in making art. So I I, I think it, it probably is a, uh, a, a a paired effort. But in general, even though AI, like AI is capable of doing that in in, in writing, right? I mean we we have entire like news, you know, uh, articles that are generated very quickly by, by AI right now that people, you know, probably read articles and have no idea that it was written by an AI. Uh, but that's, that's different than writing a novel, uh, or, you know, just taking a complex topic and writing a very thoughtful piece on it, right? I I don't know that that is something that, you know, we're going to see AI, you know, kind of take over. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to point out that, you know the, the the creative categories are are not exempt, but uh, but I, I think they're still generally going to be you know the, the areas to go into. And even when you you consider uh, career paths like STEM career paths, like I, I think you're going to need to be more creative, right? Because it, it's not just going to be the lower level. Let me just do the engineering. It's going to be more like let me apply my creativity to this, and I can you know I, I can use tools like AI to to carry that out. 
I've said before on this show, what can be predicted is better left to machines, but what requires rational judgment or empathy, the term you use, those are tasks that are better left to humans. We've seen projects like ones introduced by OpenAI, where to your point, uh, AI is great at summarizing a large corpus of text, writing news headlines, but mostly it's, it's derivative works. It's predicting the next set of characters or summarizing or aggregating. But when it comes to truly unique ideas, we have to be very wary of the fact that even in these, quote, creative pursuits, bots get trained on you know, bodies of existing creative, uh, creative work. So, you know, things like being able to introduce speech, there's some interesting examples of, you know, Heath Ledger or celebrities who died, you can go back and fill in the gaps in dialogue from maybe scenes that they didn't finish. So things like that are more prediction tasks, but, but generating the next Heath Ledger, uh, you know, digitally, I think that's, that's harder because it's such, um, it, it's such an innate part of the human experience to be able to create that, that character. Um, would you say that's consistent with kind of what led you to write the book? Do you believe that, you know, some of these innate human skills um, will always kind of transcend things that machines can do? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, it, it's, it, you know, mainly like I wanted there to be a, a warning that that a lot of the I mean, there, there's an awful lot of jobs that we have that are more task based. Right. And again, they're not all, you know, like warehouse and, and driving kind of jobs. They're like college graduate kind of jobs as, as well. And, and the, things just like, like diagnosing, you know, uh, illnesses and things like that, right? If you think about like how much better uh, like AI can, can be at that. I mean, like in, in, in the future, like I, I would expect that just things like, you know, we, we upload pictures to Facebook of our kids, right? Like of all the data that's out there, like, you know, Facebook or something like that. Like, I mean, I mean, obviously there's privacy, you know, concerns and things in the mix, but if it were just up to the technology, like Facebook could probably uh, diagnose autism in your two-year-old just by the pictures that you upload to it. Whereas you might not have any idea as a parent to even talk to a professional for several years after that. And, and so like how much better is that at diagnosing something necessarily than, than like what a, what a person can be? You know, and just like like a key moment, like that I, I had just for like my own like understanding of like like how powerful this can be, uh, is like if you you know if you look at some of the uh, the things that like uh, Google DeepMind in particular can do, and like if you just go on YouTube and like look for videos of this, like there's you can watch videos of like Google DeepMind like beating all the old Atari games, right? And 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 people will kind of show you where like you know it it starts off. And it, it's like the first time it plays a game, it's like completely clueless. Like it doesn't even move. It's like a baby was playing the game. It has no concept of like what to do. And then you see it like a hundred games later and it knows to sort of at least try to move, but it's still completely, you know, and then you see it like a thousand times later and a hundred thousand times later. And then, you know, and some X number of thousands, millions, times, whatever times later, like, and it's just like, it's unstoppable. It is the best player in the world at that game. And, and it's just beat like all of them. Uh, you know, and, and then you even take it like, you know, to, to the next level where you can watch uh, Google DeepMind play StarCraft right, against people, which is a much more complicated game than, you know, all those old Atari games. And it requires a lot of, you know, skill and strategy. And again, it starts completely clueless. And by the end, it's like a master. And, it, it, and, and so, you know, when you consider like, hey, th this technology, you know, that wasn't 
you know, it wasn't built to play StarCraft. It's just a general technology to say, I'm going to learn things. And it just, you know, in, you know, it, it can have like a, what would take us like a lifetime of playing the game that it could do within a number of like, you know, days and, and, you know, and how good it can get at a task like that. Yeah. That, that's where we have to say like, it, it, like, Hey, if, if what I want to do ultimately is, you know, some kind of task, even if it's a, you know, even if it's a STEM related thing and it's like, yeah, it would be, you know, you have to be very specialized and, and know what you're doing and have a lot of expertise like in that area. But if, if what that is, is something that, you know, ultimately an AI can come in and in a few days learn to do it and it's not going to, you know, do it necessarily uh, just, you know, as good as people, right? Or like, you know, can we get AI to drive as good as people, right? I mean, I, I think the magnitude that we're talking about here is that it will be able to do it like, like a, a number of times better than people, like multiply it by however good we could be at it. And so it's just like, those are the, the things that, you know, I, I think we, we want to avoid and, you know, instead, you know, move, move towards these areas where, you know, you can apply creativity, use, use AI for the, the, the tool that it is and, and try to take that approach where, you know, you're, you're, you're being more you know, creative in, in directing like what the, the output of that whole activity is. I got to get you off the hot seat, but not uh, not before you answer one last question for me. So let's envision a world where uh, my daughters or Mackenzie, your kids are uh, in a career and uh, they coexist with machines. Uh, anything that's routine, probably going to be something that's offloaded to the machines. And then there's some some delta that, that the kids will be doing now, now kids as adults. But assuming that's the case, when we take out the routine tasks, maybe we get back, I don't know, call it an hour a day. What changes about the human experience when all of a sudden we can get done, let's say, eight hours of work in seven hours? What, what do we do with that dividend of time? And how does that how does that change what it means to be a human? That's a good question. Uh, hopefully we do something productive with that that time and not just uh, do social media uh, or, or things. Ho- hopefully, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, I, I think, you know, well, I'd say a combination of you know we're doing better tasks and we're 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 using that time to maybe even step back and be more thoughtful and strategic about the the things that we go into in general. You know, and on the other side of it, like you know, maybe we don't need to work ourselves to death. Maybe we can you know just have some uh, extra time. I mean, if we can, you know, if we can be as productive in you know what now is like you know uh, like a, a nine-hour workday kind of thing, and if I could do that same thing in like five hours because of you know AI and all these tools, may, maybe there's a, a a future where we we have you know better work-life balance in general. I think that would be a, a good outcome. Well, when that future is a reality, maybe we'll uh, we'll have you back, and there'll be a new another. Another chapter for Riley and Bot, and you'll be talking about it on the show. Good stuff. Well, Doug, before we can let you go, what's next for Riley and Bot, and where can uh, where can we learn more about uh, about the book? Riley and Bot, the, you know, the the characters and kind of that that set of names were it was created because there might be you know some other adventures that they could have. I I, I don't have anything you know planned for it at at the moment, but we'll uh, we'll see where things go. And uh, you could you could find me on Medium. Uh, just look for Doug Kerwin on Medium, and that's um, that's where I would have any, anything so far related to the book. Excellent. Well, Doug, thanks for coming by and hanging out. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Thanks so much, Dan. Good stuff. That's Doug Kerwin, author of uh, the Riley and Bot uh, book on uh, 
jobs for robots and jobs for me. And uh, that's a wrap for this week. This is uh, your host, Dan Turchin of AI and the future of work. But uh, we'll be back next week with another fascinating guest.